when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. for the judges and this multi-millionaire mogul now has the best kind of goal. It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you once again for another amazing athlete interview. We're sticking with freestyle skiing and we're getting a little bit more artistic in the sport of freestyle skiing because for the very first time we're speaking to an athlete who competes in the events of halfpipe, slope style and big air, Abby Harrigan, Australian Olympian from the Beijing Olympics last year, 2022. And Abby has an amazing story about just how very close she was to not competing in those Olympics. She essentially qualified for the Games. And as you'll hear her talk about in this interview, 10 days, 10 days away from hitting the slopes in Beijing, she broke a leg and basically thought, that's it. I'm not competing. Damn, I was this close. Dream over. But she pushed through it. She pushed through the pain. She pushed through the barriers and everything else in between and still managed to hit the slopes in Beijing to compete at the Olympics. It's an incredible story, and you're going to hear just how much she had to overcome to hit the slopes in the slope style. Her friendship with another Olympian, a former guest on this show, who has uh, recently walked away with a World Championship silver medal, her, her passion for skiing, why she essentially wanted to ski forever when she first started skiing, and one of the most amazing stories you will ever hear in regards to getting an Olympic pin. That's all I'm going to say here because it blew me away. You'll hear my reaction in this interview about how she got one of the most rarest, uniquest Olympic pins you can ever get. So this is a great chat as you are going to listen to it right now. Our chat with Australian Olympic freestyle skier, Abby Harrigan. We always love talking about the great sport of freestyle skiing on this show, but I actually am a bit surprised that through all the freestyle skiers we have had over the years, we've covered all the disciplines except for a couple. We've had aerial skiers, we've had mogul skiers on ski cross, you know, all those ones, but we haven't had the real freestyle skiing. We haven't had half pipe, we haven't had slope style, we haven't had big air, and we are finally going to tick that off the bucket list here today on Off the Podium. Because joining us today, we have a national junior champion in slope style and half pipe. We have a junior world championship top 10 finisher in the big air. We have a World Cup top 20 finisher multiple times, competing in the Youth Olympics in 2020 and the Beijing 2022 Olympics, where she finished 26 in slope style. And it is an absolute pleasure to welcome to the program the one, the only, 
Abby Harrigan. First of all, Abby, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on off the podium today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Did I tick all the boxes there? Have I missed anything else? You, did you win like a, a, a school fair or something like that that you maybe want to add into the intro? I don't know, like a colouring in competition as like a child maybe? I don't know. Anything there? No, I wasn't really good at many things. Oh, well, you're great at skiing and that's the main, That's why we're here to, to talk to you about this today because I'm actually very intrigued. You and I have been talking a lot for quite some time to try and obviously uh, get this air and, and very intrigued to sort of hear your journey because... I was working at Channel 7 during the Olympics and loved kind of like seeing your background and then obviously the situation that happened to you just before Beijing. So to learn a little bit about that today, I'm very excited. And skiing, Abby, three years old, I believe you were when you started. So, I mean, was this a case of you basically born with skis on your feet? Pretty much. was close to it. Which, where, where does that come from? So is it just basically you live near Jindabyne or you grow up in Jindabyne, so it's kind of like that's the natural thing, people who grow up in Jindabyne kind of just ski? Yeah, most of my friends started around the same age, so. It's, it's so baffling to think that coming from most of Australia where we're obviously we're not really near snow, are we? So a lot of us are playing uh, different sports. Was this also something family members did, you know, parents, siblings, were they also skiing as well? Yeah, I have two brothers. They're both skiers, started around the same age. And my parents were the first in their families to move down here and start skiing. When it comes to the skiing aspect, of course, with all the multiple disciplines that exist of skiing, what was it about freestyle skiing that really took your fancy over, say, alpine or cross country? Uh, I kind of grew up when, like, moguls was going huge in Australia. It still is, really. So I kind of started that way and then found the more fun stuff, I guess. <laughs> I like the way you describe that because you were born in the year 2002, if I'm not mistaken, which obviously is yeah. a very famous year for Australian winter mm-hmm. sports when uh, Mr. Bradbury and Miss Camplin won our first ever gold medal so it's almost like a natural ability you're born in 2002 you must get into winter sports on that way yeah, did, did, you, did you ever sort of tackle uh, alpine or cross country or was it just sort of the moguls and the freestyles just to get into the more fun stuff um i did like inter schools um so I competed in everything there and then just picked the fun ones when i got older <laughs> i have to ask with the moguls aspect i realized you were four years old in 2006 that's probably not a memory but Dale Begg Smith, uh, you know, was there any sort of uh, posters on the wall or kind of was he just the legend around Jindabyne in the 2000s, kind of after his gold medal in Turin? Yeah, I think I was a little bit after that, but his name definitely got thrown around a lot in Jindabyne. I always have an excuse to bring him up here, Abby. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's, he's a god on this show, so we just kind of always have to, to bring that up. But it's obviously the disciplines that you're involved in, you know, the big air, the slope style, the half pipe. These are still fairly recent additions to an Olympics. When you were going sort of through the motions in the freestyle disciplines, were you thinking an Olympics? Was this something that as a young girl you were wanting that to achieve that or did that sort of come along as you kept progressing? Uh, it kind of came along as I kept progressing. Like I always wanted to ski and just ski forever. Like I think that's kind of how it came about. I didn't want to Stay home for a summer, so that's <laughs> the way to do it. The, the opposite, really, of most Australians, right? You, so many people yeah. just, oh, it's a bit chilly. You know, we're gonna we're gonna chase that. I love that kind of attitude because I guess if you grow up in a place like Jindabyne, it's you know, it's 
not exactly Bondi or Queensland or something like that. You're sort of used to that chilly. I'm, as I said to you off air, I'm Tasmanian, Abby. Not quite as cold probably with snows like that way in, in Jindabyne, but I'm definitely more of a, a cold fan. Did you play other sports outside of skiing? Were you sort of uh, quite active amongst the other sporting circles in school growing up? Yeah, I did a fair bit of sport growing up. There's a bit slim choice in gender line with sports when I was growing up, but yeah. <laughs> what are the choices? What are what are the other choices? Uh, I did soccer and then it kind of went from soccer to rugby, but rugby wasn't really my cup of tea. <laughs> was, it, was there any like prospect of soccer? Was that something that you kind of enjoyed um, and could have been a Matildas instead? I don't think so <laughs> not quite going it was, I was about eight <laughs> and then just it was purely on the skiing things what was this yeah. the scene like going into events like a half pipe slope style big air because i can't imagine as say a 10 year old they're shoving you down a massive uh big air at that age so i guess it's kind of like a progression but at that period when you were that age was mm-hmm. there much of a scene around those disciplines um, there wasn't a huge scene. There was like Russ Henshaw was coming up. So there was a bit of a scene with him getting into it, the, the like Perisher Parks, but there'd always be like a sidekick that's a lot smaller that I would choose. Because <laughs> I can imagine we've had a lot of ski jumpers on the show and they've talked mm. a lot about sort of that progression of you're not shoving down a you know 120 metre hill straight away. You're obviously going from the, the smaller ramps and you build your way up. Is that a similar thing in say, particularly the big air that there are kind of like those smaller aspects that you build your way up to the literal big air. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely some smaller, safer jumps and then you work your way up until the big ones. When it comes to, I guess, comparing the three disciplines, I mean, they've got their similarities, but also I can imagine they're very different. Mm. Is it a, a capability of when you're training that you sort of do focus on one for a certain season or event over the other, or can you kind of correlate your training that it works well for all three disciplines? Uh, so bigger and slope style are very like close together. Like for the the 2020 Olympics, they actually qualified together. So if you qualified for slope style, you qualified for big air. Um, but half pipe's quite different. Like it's, it's there's not too many people that do all three because it's like quite different. You have to put a lot of time into half pipe, but it's still skiing, I guess. <laughs> it's got that uh, that aspect to it, but that artistic element, which obviously draws a lot of fans to watching it. I mean, we saw sort of the growth of snowboarding kind of when that came into the Olympics in 98, then kind of how that's developed into more and more events. And we've obviously seen that gradually now in the last decade or so with freestyle skiing do, do you have a preference of the three if you had to sort of choose yeah probably slope style slope style is there yeah. is a particular reason is it because you sort of got more time to sort of sort of do mm-hmm. a little bit more yeah i think it's more time um it's a bit like big airs it, it's a bit like uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you're one, one and done basically isn't it like <laughs> yeah yeah it's a bit like straight up straight to the point kind of thing where slope style you can Put a bit of style into it. It also seems more strategic, I can imagine, in a way, because like obviously big air, one and done. Half pipe even has also got a bit of an element to it where you're only really getting what a certain amount of jumps, aren't you, sort of as you're going down. Whereas slope style, there's there's not really, I guess, a, a speed element as such in terms of that you can take your time a little bit more, if if that's correct. Yeah, you can you can t- like it's a you can choose your own lines and stuff. You still 
you've got a little bit of time to think if you mess one thing up, you can still kind of fix it down the road. But yeah. Is it a case too? I know we've sort of spoken with certain events where say snowboarding and skiing will share it, you know, ski cross and snowboard cross, for example. And uh, we've had your very good friend, Josie Baff on the show and sort of talking a little bit about that. But when it comes to sharing the sort of courses with snowboarders in, in these courses, is it a case of you always like to get on first ahead of the snowboarders or you like it afterwards because maybe they lay down the snow a little bit better? I mean, is kind of there a preference on that side of things? Uh, usually it doesn't really make a difference, but if the snow conditions are a bit softer, I'd prefer to get on before them because they kind of ruin it a bit. <laughs> Pesky snowboarders, right? They're yeah. always sort of talking about that. Just on that, like mentioned Josie, uh, we had her on just before Beijing and since then she's gone on to win world championship yeah. silver and doing very very well sort of did she ever try and tempt you to go over across to snowboard did you ever try and tempt her to go across onto the skis or anything like that growing uh, up uh she was always a skier for as long as I can remember like racing um tried to get her off a few jumps a couple of times <laughs> <laughs> but that must be a fun experience when you grow up with someone like that and then you obviously go to a youth Olympics together and then go to a full Olympics together. I mean, was that kind of the the dream? Did you talk about that much uh, sort of uh, growing up and when those opportunities came, it just added to those experiences? Yeah, it was really cool. Like we competed in into schools together and we didn't really kind of realize we were on the same paths until youth Olympics. Nice. And Oh, this is cool. <laughs> kind of works out very well. I obviously get to the Olympics because I love I love learning about uh, any athlete's experience when it comes to those. But as I sort of mentioned at the top, uh, national junior champion when you were 15 years old in slope style and half pipe, then sort of progressed through junior world championships. You were sixth in 2018 in the big air, 11th in slope style, 14th at half pipe. When it came to sort of getting to that level when you're competing in these big events, you said you just wanted to ski kind of forever, but is it at those points you sort of have like a competitive nature that comes out of you that you're going to these events, you're obviously winning junior championships that you're just going there. Okay, well, this is a bit different now. This isn't just skiing forever. This is like, well, I can go out there, do the very best I can and, and push towards doing top tens, podiums and, and further on. Yeah. At, like I think at the start, I didn't think there was too much competitiveness because there were so little girls in slopestyle skiing then. But then when I got to compete in junior worlds, I realized I was pretty competitive because there were a couple more girls in it. And I was like, oh, I actually want to do really well here. Have you seen since then when you were doing that, say what, like five or so, six or so years ago to, to now? Like, I mean, how is that growth going with girls in those sort of disciplines in freestyle skiing, particularly in Australia? It's definitely getting a lot better. We get like I used to compete by myself all the time, just me. We're definitely getting up to like five or six girls, but we, I think we still need so many more. How do you think that can happen? Or do you think it's just sort of more exposure, recruiting people from the other disciplines of skiing, kind of saying like, "Hey, you bloody aerialists, stop, stop doing aerials." You know, slope style, big air, half pipe. It's where it's at. Come on. Less scary. <laughs> yeah. I think just more exposure for the sport. Like it's still a pretty new sport. Not too many people know about it yet. So I always, every time we get aerials on this show, I always like to say like, stop stealing our gymnasts. Like I, I'm trying yeah. to always say to our gymnasts who come on the show, like go steal aerial skis, like get some of your own back. So I'm saying there that 
even in freestyle skiing, you need to steal the aerialist, right? Like just just go to Jeff Henneke, just, you know, look at that, say, shut up, David Morris, bugger off. Like I need this yeah. skier. Like we want them. Like that's where it's at, surely. Yeah, I, I, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> you get Laura, you get Danielle, you know, they've done all right. Well, I'll give it a go next time. Yeah, I'll get Dale out of retirement, you know, like he's on his island. He can come into that sort of level, I'm sure. Dale would be all right at the the big air or the, the slopes. I don't think yeah, he'd do okay. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they would. <laughs> did you ever meet Dale? I have to ask that question. No, I don't think I did. Oh, damn. No. All right, I'll tell you mm-hmm. what, when we get him on the show, uh, you know, that's the dream. We'll, we'll make yeah. sure that you're you're around with that to, to do that. Yeah. Youth Olympics, though, did that become a goal pretty quickly when you were sort of competing at places like the Junior World Championships and, and these other competitions? Yeah, it did. Um, one of my friends, Cameron Adele, he went to the Youth Olympics before my ones. And when he went, I was like, oh, I think I really want to go to these next ones. <laughs> Which kind of made it the plan. It's, it's always seemingly that whenever we ask about it, that it's almost like a very good preparation for a full Olympics, right? Because yeah. obviously outside of the competition side of things, which we'll touch on, but it's you're at a multi-sport event, you're representing your country, you're in a village, you're, you're meeting competitors from different sports that you would never associate with on the World Cup and other stages like that. So how helpful was the 2020 Youth Olympics in preparation for the full Olympics two years later? It was really good. Like I've never been to something like the Youth Olympics. Like it was so crazy that venue and village and was so cool it's not really the best to compare it to china just because of covid and everything but i'm sure it was would be just as cool if there was no restrictions and stuff that was right before covid wasn't it right so that was at the beginning of 2020 like literally those golden days when we're like covid what's that uh so you kind of were able to get a perfect little window there weren't you to have that before kind of the shit hit the fan around the world yeah, yeah. Just after the Youth Olympics, we went uh, over to Switzerland, and then a couple of weeks later, just sent home. Everything went, everything went down that way. When it, like, I'll touch on this when it gets to Beijing, but we always love hearing about those experiences around, you know, pin sharing and kind of bumping shoulders with other athletes and things like that. Did you you get sort of involved in that level, or was that something that maybe was more prevalent a couple of years later at the full Olympics? Uh, definitely some pin sharing at the Youth Olympics. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> How does it compare, like, to to the to the Beijing? Because I, I I love the stories when we sort of hear that you know the Olympics will sort of the IOC will create things like apps, like you know you do a certain amount of things and you find a hidden pin or something like that. Or you know there's always you know pins from a certain country that everybody's sought after. Like, is that more because it's a Youth Olympics? It's sort of a bit more engaging with the sort of the age group, or does that sort of take a different level when it comes to Beijing? Yeah, I think um, oh, they were pretty similar with like the pin sharing and the apps. You had to do like certain things to find certain pins and stuff, which was cool. But I, I found it a bit harder in Beijing to get like access to the apps and stuff. Was that COVID related or was it just kind uh, of? I think so, yeah. I, do you keep everything outside of the pins? Like I'm that type of person who would, I would keep everything from a letter to here's my lanyard to here's like my, like I would just hoard everything. I'm that much of an Olympic thing that if I ever made an Olympics, that's what I would do. But are you that type of person, Abby? That like where you sort of even both the youth yeah. and the sort of that, you just kept literally everything? Yeah, I've pretty much got everything. <laughs> nice. Is it scrapbooking, like folders, a box, like mum and dad um, keep them? Like what do you sort of do with it? 
It's in a box on like a hanging thing in my room. Nice. That's, yeah. that's how it works. Do you have, I don't know if I've ever asked this question before, but like a favorite piece of anything Olympic related, be it a pin, a uniform, like anything that through those experiences, you're just like, this is my most prized Olympic possession. Um, I got a pin that's just straight up like the colored Olympic rings and it was from Thomas Bach. Oh, like personally given to you by Thomas. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I I need to hear this story. Like how did this come Um, about? So I was in the Beijing Olympic village and we were walking to go up to the one closer to the ski resort. And some person just came and was like, you have to come over here. We're doing like some signing thing with Thomas Bach and we don't have an athlete. We need one now. <laughs> wow. So pushed into this thing and it was with Thomas and I got to meet him and trade some pins. What, like, what do you say? Like, you just shut <laughs> the Here you go. This is the president of the IOC. Uh, off you go, Abby. Over to you. Yeah, Pretty, like, I was not sure what was happening at the time. Tell me <laughs> at least, you obviously knew who he was, right? Like, that wasn't... Yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> right, okay, it wasn't like an awkward, like, who? Like, uh, <laughs> that sort of thing. Does he sound like Count Dracula in person as much as he does on TV? And when <laughs> they introduce you, is it true that legally they have to say Thomas Bark Olympic champion fencing? <laughs> I, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I Every can't. time you can say it's announced, I swear they have to say really? Olympic champion fencing. Yeah. yeah. Pay attention at the next Olympics. You listen when they announce him. It's like a thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. How, what was he, you know, was he nice? I'm guessing like, you know, kind of everything yeah. on those lines. Super nice. There was obviously a lot of people around him at the time and <laughs> pretty hectic, but yeah, it was really nice. Did you give him a pin in return? Like, did you give him an Aussie pin? Or? I tried to, but he was like, no, I don't trade pins. Oh, he just gives them away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I like I, I, if it's kind of like a Pokemon Go style app where you've got to collect the pins. That's yeah. like the golden Mew too, right? Like yeah, that's like yeah, the absolute cool. perfect one to get. Wow, what an incredible story! There you go. Yeah, it was really weird, but very cool. Hey, some people came home with Olympic gold medals. You came home with a personalized <laughs> yeah. pin from Thomas Bach. I think yeah. you know. I mean, Eileen Goo, couple of medals, please. <laughs> Did she get a medal, like a pin from uh, from Thomas Bach? Don't don't know, don't know about that. You obviously, like, I mean, just on Eileen Goo. I mean, she obviously. Did great things in Beijing. Did great things yeah. at the 2020 Olympics, and and a real, I guess, poster athlete for the sport. She's. I mean, you talk yeah. about sort of expanding, getting more people in it, particularly girls. Does it take sometimes like somebody like that to really kind of expose it? Because she's obviously got a huge profile, you know, in China and the US and, and around the world and, and everything along those lines. Yeah, definitely. I think she's doing amazing things to get girls into skiing, especially in China, it seems. Like she's doing a lot of things with some young Chinese girls, which seems really good. And yeah, she has such a huge following. She could reach out to anyone pretty much. What's that like when you've got someone like that and you're competing against them? Like, is it kind of just like... Pretty crazy. Like, you know, somebody with all those connections, right? Like, you know, do you just... Is there, I don't know if there's things like sledging and mind games going on in these events, but I mean, do you kind of like always look to someone like that as like, oh, like if I can just beat you in one run, like I can, I can put that on my resume that I beat Eileen Goo today. Yeah, it would be pretty nice. But yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like such a nice person as well. So it's hard to be like, oh, I wish I could beat you when <laughs> everyone's so nice. Is it a community like that? We see that with a lot of these winter sports that where the 
fields maybe aren't as as deep as some of the other ones it, it does seem very close so sort of when you're on the circuit be it at a an olympics or just a world cup that you're all sort of very close off the snow yeah we're all pretty close like it's a very good group of girls like everyone's super supportive of everyone it's such a good time when everyone's around that's what we like to hear just on the youth olympics so 10th in the half pipe 12th in the slope style 15th in the big air one one thing that i love abby when i research this interview and look at the results your results are just so varied across a discipline as in it's not like oh you're clearly so much better at one than the other like it's kind of like there always seems to be a thing there but do you set yourself goals going into a youth olympics and say okay i want to make the finals of each event i want i want a medal i want to finish top 10 like what were your goals and how did you leave switzerland feeling yeah i set i def as every athlete does set, definitely set goals for youth olympics um I can only really remember mine for slope style and that was to make finals and I was pretty stoked when I did make finals but then bombed out in the finals but it happens. You, you achieved that first goal though of course so yeah, too. Yeah. I mean I can imagine though too like when you when you tick that off the list you're like okay up in the finals and you kind of obviously reassess that there. We've talked a little bit about sort of just the, the different training between each but that mental preparation you know do you sort of find yourself doing anything in particular from, okay, I've achieved this goal. Now let's switch focus to this. And kind of how do you prepare yourself in the mind going into an event like that? Uh, I kind of think as all three of them, I kind of set a goal, like a loose goal for them as a group. Cause it's kind of a bit hectic going from one to the other to the next. So. <laughs> Just kind of uh, balancing it out there. Do you work with sort of like sports psychologists and things like that though, too, on the, on the mental aspects of the sport? Um, I have a little bit, um, but I haven't really found someone that I really connect with as much. So not, we're getting there. <laughs> you, that's what I'm saying. People are listening then maybe contact yeah. Abby. And then potentially yeah. they can uh, they can put that along the way there. What was it like having Josie though walk away with gold medal, Australia's first ever youth Winter Olympic gold medal? There you go. There's Bestie yeah. out there with a nice piece of jewelry at the end of the day. Do, do you hang out with her a little bit more then to get some get some free stuff? You know. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing watching Josie um, compete there. Like she had just gotten a good result like a couple of weeks before, and everyone was like, "This is gonna happen. It's gonna be sick." <laughs> she told a great story when she was on the show about getting a medal back uh, to Australia. So uh, you know, kind of the the stories along those lines. Obviously, between Youth Olympics and then Beijing, you you did pretty well. Uh, sort of, you know, in in the lead up, sort of on on the World Cup stage. You know, you're getting several top 20 finishes uh, and even months before Beijing, you know, finishing 13th and 15th in slope style. Obviously, before we touch on what happened, unfortunately, before Beijing, what was sort of your mindset at that point, that close to an Olympics kind of you in very good form there? So I guess you were feeling quite strong and, and tracking well heading into what was going to be your first Olympics. Yeah, I was feeling pretty good with all my results, pretty happy with how I was skiing and everything. It's just, it was a bit hectic. They changed the qualifying, um, like the qualifying years. It was, it's usually two years before your results count, but because of COVID, they made it three years and we didn't, well, I didn't compete in that third year. So it made it a little bit harder, but we got there in the end with that last competition. So that basically means that at that point, you know, rather than say feeling comfortable at a certain point because you would have maybe been on a certain level to go there, you've 
essentially got to get better results in a few more events to kind of, I guess, catch up, I suppose, to the other girls? Yeah, just had to, like, keep my results pretty consistent. Couldn't, like, drop down a couple or have a fall and a run. So it was a little bit of pressure there, but, yeah. What was that feeling like then when you realised that you had achieved that, that you would tick those boxes and that you were going? Yeah, I was so stoked, like super happy over the moon. But for, so for the last qualifying event, it was in France and I had to get, I think it was a top 15 I had to get or I had to, no, sorry, I had to get above one girl. So this one girl that was ranked um, 30th, I had to beat her in that competition and it's so it's so hard because you're such good friends with these people and then she failed both her runs and it's like, I don't know if I should be excited or oh, happy. Wow. Oh, wow. It's sad for her, so it's hard. But then she ended up going to the Olympics as well, so Silver <laughs> it all lining. worked out. Silver lining. Because I always love talking to athletes in sports where you sometimes kind of have to cheer that they fuck up, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's you don't want them to and obviously you don't want them to get hurt. But like yeah. – Part of you has to be like, oh, if you crashed right now, I wouldn't be too sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's horrible, but it's also it's how it goes in the sport. Yeah, and but like that's where going back to that camaraderie between you all, though, where you kind of almost need that in a sport like that, don't you? Whereas yeah. there are sports out there where sledging and, and things like that are part and parcel of it, but... They're sports where maybe you don't necessarily want them to crash, right? So it's kind of it's it's a weird comparison I'm about to say here, Abby, but it's kind of like how say like our great emergency service workers out there kind of have to have a bit of a dark humor about them because they face such tragedy every day to kind of yeah. keep them sane in a way. So like this is kind of that way of you guys were like, oh well, you know, we're all besties and everything, but yeah, if you crash, you know, thanks very much for that, Eileen Goo. Yeah, um, so exactly. th- things along those lines. It's it's a very unique question that I'll ask here before we get to the injury because, you know, I think yours takes a little bit of weight considering what you went through to just line up for one event at the Olympics. But did you feel like you were an Olympian that moment you qualified or did that come from that moment when you did hit the slopes in the slope style to obviously push through the pain to say that right now I am an Olympian because I've competed at the Olympics? Yeah, uh not gonna lie, I still don't really feel like it's a thing yet because of the injury and everything. So I'm hoping that we make it to the next Olympics and it can be more official. Is, I it, guess. is that also then when you get the tattoo, Abby? Have you gotten the rings tattoo yet? Or <laughs> no, but it could be yes. the next ones. <laughs> I mean, the injury. You know, take us through that because you're on a hill in Italy. And you essentially get taken out by another skier. Yeah. Now, how does that happen? <laughs> and, I mean, it's a probably a very obvious question I'm going to ask, but, like, like, what's going in the mind at that point? Like, oh, this yeah. obviously isn't good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I was just standing next to a rail about to film my coach, Leon, do, like, a trick, and this girl just comes in, takes me out, and, yeah, straight away I was like, oh, no, like, this is it. <laughs> I have to go home now. 
Wow. And yeah. was this a, a fellow competitor? Was it just somebody just having a bit of a joy ski? Like who, who was this other person? So it was a young um, girl who is a competitor. She's a bit younger, so she only just started competing in World Cups like this last year gone. Um, so I do know her, but yeah. It must, I mean, of all the ways to get an injury like that, like if you were landing a trick and the leg goes or, you, you, you know, in training yourself, something like that, but to just have such like a random event like that happen. And this was what, two, three weeks away from Beijing, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was, it was the day that I got like officially announced that I was going. Wow. So it was about 10 days out. 10 days out. That's yeah. absolutely insane. And the moment a doctor reass- like assesses your injury, are they like, Mm-mm, we have to wait and see, or was it kind of at an extent where they're kind of straight away like, well, okay, it's bad, but we can do something about this to get you to Beijing. So uh, it was all up in the air. So I got an X-ray in. So I went in in Switzerland, got an X-ray, and then it was like, oh, uh, it kind of looks broken, but it kind of doesn't. Wow. <laughs> so like, how does how does that work? <laughs> apparently, they think it could have been previously broken. So it's built up a bit of like callus, so it didn't really look broken to them. Um, but then I got another x-ray and then sent it to the Australian doctors and they were like, yeah, there's a pretty clear fracture through it. So they were like, we can try. You can definitely come to Beijing and we'll see how it goes. And is it one of those ones where you have to have those conversations with your coach and doctors about the longevity and risk? Because obviously it's kind of that, you know, you've got a ticket to the Olympics. You know that you've got it. So you just have to be ready enough that you can compete versus uh well if you do that you'd fuck this up even more and then there's your entire career gone like i can imagine those conversations are being had at that point yeah there was a a lot of conversations about it and pretty much straight away they were like you can't do much more damage like unless you completely snap your leg which is very unlikely um so they're like you can't do too much more damage so i was like might as well go for it. I guess they're kind of good words to hear then, like, you know, yeah. it's it's sort of not too much damage. I mean, I read, so a heat-moulded plate mixed with painkillers. Can you explain to us what on earth a heat-moulded plate is? Yeah, so it was pretty much a piece of plastic and then they they heat it up, I think, in hot water and mould it to where the fracture was. And then I just slip that in my boot and it's like casing around my boot. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. And painkiller, like, and obviously there's a certain amount they can only give you. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, did they work? Were they killing the pain or did they only sort of work to a level where you're like, okay, well, this isn't that great? They definitely worked, um, especially for the first, like, two training days. They worked quite well. And then I got a cortisone shot as well. And then I had a bit of a fall and it kind of weared off a bit. Wow. Which, I mean, how were you, this is a weird question, but how were you dealing with pain beforehand? I mean, you're obviously a freestyle skier, so I mean, pain's part of the business, right? But like, I mean, was this something that, you know, was the most difficult thing you had to overcome or was it a case of, ah, you know, I've I've had worse. Like, you know, this this isn't that bad. Well, uh, touch wood, I haven't had that many, like that's my first broken bone, first kind of serious injury I had had. 
So not sure how I deal with pain. <laughs> well, I think really, maybe you, you, I think you're it's learning. Right. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, obviously not too bad. How like were you seeing a doctor like every day? Was this kind of something that you know the 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 Australian Olympic team's doctor was just kind of assessing you basically every day to see where it was at before competition? Yeah, I've seen doctor, physio every day, like icing it every day, doing as much as I could to make it good. And in terms of you, you know, obviously you mentioned you sort of you, you heard it a little bit more in training, but how limited, like how difficult is it to be that limited in training? Because obviously you, you train so much and then you get to this point where you're doing everything you can to just compete in one of your three events. But like, I mean, again, back to my favorite question on the mental side of things, how hard is that level to overcome? Yeah, I definitely had to like think about what I was doing a whole lot more, like how I was landing, how everything was going. Um, but I just had to like do two or three runs in the day, like, two or three runs closer to the competition in the day and just call it so it didn't get any worse. So it was pretty scary. And obviously, so you pull out of the the big air first because that was going to be your first event. And I I can imagine of all the three because that's got what more of a a heavier landing, I could imagine. Was that one ever a realistic possibility, do you think? Or was that one kind of always going to be a no-no based on the injury? Um, I think it was pretty much as soon as I found out we were like, probably not going to happen just because it was like straight. It was the first event as well. Mm -hmm. I didn't have too much time to play around with my boot, my skis and all that kind of stuff. But the slope style, obviously you just said your favorite, you at least got to, uh, to go that. At what point did you get the green light? Like how close was it to the event where it was kind of like, yep, Abby, you're good. You can do this. Yeah. I kind of got the green light from, from the start of training. Like, as I was saying, the first training day was actually going really well. Like I was doing basic tricks, but I was still doing some tricks and stuff. And then I had a bit of a fall and it kind of changed from there. had to dull it down a bit. Um, but like they pretty much said you can go. And then I was kind of basing my decision of how I was feeling right up until the comp day really. And so when you woke up that day, do you just like just have to take a moment and just be like, well, yeah, am I really feeling this or is it a case of, well, maybe not, but I'm going to, I'm going to push through this. I'm going to do this because I'm going to become an Olympian today. Yeah, there was definitely some doubt. Like I was talking to parents, brothers and being like, I don't really know what to do. And then I was like, well, I like, I'm here. I might as well give it the best shot did a few training runs and then slope style got called off because of the weather. So I had to wait another day. It's almost like, was it the cars that were helping you out there though, right? Yeah, the the, the Beijing help. gods wanted to, wanted you to compete. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I had some more time to get it better. And then the next comp day rolls around and it's like, well, might as well give it a shot. Like <laughs> I can ski. So that is the best attitude I've ever had to a, <laughs> Yeah, what have I got today? All right, breakfast, sure, Olympics. 
Yeah, might as well give it a shot. Why not? <laughs> it's there. I'm here. Why not? Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of how it went, really. <laughs> Next time I wake up thinking, like, oh, do I really want to go to work today? I don't want to call and see. Oh, I might as well give it a shot. Yeah. I'm going to just think of you. You're my motivation now, right? <laughs> there. Which, I would do like one run and be like, no, nah, this is it. Like I can't do the next one. And then I'd do another one. And I'd be like, mm, I guess I can. <laughs> but I guess it's kind of one of those things. I mean, you're obviously so young. So it's sort of a, you've got such a long career, hopefully uh, ahead of you. But it is also that level where any athlete doesn't know how many Olympics they've got in it. You know, it could maybe be your only shot in an Olympics or you could go to another 10. So, I mean, I think at least now it's been a year. You kind of reflect back on that choice now and go, well, I was the right one because, again, I'm always an Olympian. They can never take that away from me. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever know what decision is the right decision, but I'm happy with what I did. Like, I got to ski in the Olympics and it was so much fun. Which I guess goals go out the window. I mean, sure, maybe a month before you're going, I want to get to the finals, I want to do this. But at that point, are you just are you just wanting to get to the bottom of the hill unscathed and, and finish your runs and just get, get through it? Yeah, there was a, a point in like the last training session. I was like, I'm just going to have as much fun as I can while I'm here. As much fun as I can on a broken leg while I'm here. So, <laughs> did you, did you have fun? Did you have yeah, fun? Yeah, I had so much fun. Like as soon as I was like, there's no pressure, there's nothing on. I was like, just have so much fun. But that's such a unique experience that like you just don't generally hear people at the Olympics say that you just, I'm mm. going to have fun because it is such yeah. a pressure cooker of an environment in Olympic Games that no matter how many more Olympics you go to, Abby, you can always say, well, my first experience, it was a blast. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's so incredible. Which when you finished that third run, I mean, what was the emotion like? What was that that feeling like that you'd, you'd done it? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I was obviously pretty sore, um, but it was, I was pretty like happy with what I could have done. There's not much more I could have done to make it any better. Which I can imagine too. Uh, I mean, looking at the overall results, of course, obviously, you know, Caroline doesn't start. So technically you're not last, but um, <laughs> I mean, you do at least on your uh, first and second run, not get the lowest scores. So, I mean, just saying on a broken leg, you know, yeah. crashes or not, I'm not taking them into account, Abby, but you still beat people on a broken leg. So, you know, in I your face, so. Megan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to pump that up a little bit. What were you? What was your parents' attitudes like in all of this? You know, you said you were talking to them and talking to your brothers. Like, are they more concerned or are they sort of more encouraging you? Like, you know, you hear Abby, like, give it a crack, go on. Uh, my mum was stressing out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was just trying to ma- say anything to make me happy and whatever. And dad was like just kind of rolling with the shots kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> Such a dad, right? Like, yeah. Sort of were they able to go with you or were they watching back in Australia? No, they were back home. Right. Which obviously, you know, adds a little bit of hardness to it, obviously in a normal Olympics, uh, you mm-hmm. know, without COVID restrictions and, and things like that. So when that is done, half pipe, was that then, again, were you looking at it realistically or was it kind of, you know, I've done this now, this isn't really a, a huge prospect and I'm okay if I don't do it yeah I was kind of like half pipe was kind of just like thrown in extra kind of thing anyways like Mm -hmm. even if I was completely healthy um so I after slope style I went through the half pipe 
once and was like, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> Not going to happen. Not going to yeah. happen. I've always loved asking this question to our Australian athletes post Beijing because of the success that obviously Australia had last year in Beijing and just, and just that vibe because a winter Olympics, obviously a little bit more unique. You're a lot more spread out in terms of villages and things like that than say our summer athletes are. But can you describe that mood that was going through the team during those Olympics? I mean, Jakar obviously as part of the freestyle team, won a gold. Uh, so, I mean, was there just an added vibe and energy going amongst the Australian team during those games? Yeah, the vibes were definitely high. It was it, like everyone was just so stoked to be there. Like everyone was just having so much fun, like enjoying the competition, doing their best kind of thing. And it was super cool. I guess the positive of having your events spread out and kind of that will I, won't I compete I guess you kind of have an excuse that you are sticking around and you can maybe watch events, whereas a lot of people are obviously getting shipped home after their events. So was that a bit of yeah. a bonus? And did you get to go out and watch? Did you get to go watch like Josie, for example, or anything like that? Yeah, I watched a couple of Josie's like qualifying runs, but her, um, was it the, the mix? semifinals? Oh, the semi, right, yeah. Um, I was competing just before that, so I was like, I'm going to, go ice my leg kind of thing, do the right thing. Yeah. But definitely watched it on the TV and stuff. And then went and watched the moguls. Yeah, went and watched moguls um, and then watched everything on the TV pretty much. Which did you also then get to experience either the opening or the or the closing ceremonies at all? Uh, I didn't. We decided it was best not to walk on my leg. Probably <laughs> a good idea, ones. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is that something that, because I know it obviously depends on sports and, and sort of competition schedules and that, but just sort of based off your experience you had last year looking towards future Olympics, is that something that if possible, uh, I know Milan's obviously going to be a different one with different uh, venues spread out across that uh, region, but that you would like to experience that in a future Olympics? Yeah, definitely. I'd love to experience an opening or closing ceremony. It will be pretty cool. I mean, you still can't top Thomas Bach giving you a bloody like, pin. <laughs> yeah. He's not doing that. No, no. He doesn't stop like, welcome to the games, Abby, have a pin. Ah, ah, ah. Like that's kind of not what he's doing. Uh, when you got home, was it straight into rehab, kind of fixing the leg and sort of like where are we at right now? Obviously uh, more than 12 months removed. How is, how is the leg and uh, sort of how are things since Beijing on the competition front? Yeah, I got home uh, pretty much like two weeks after, had surgery on my leg, and then it was actually a pretty quick recovery. It was like three months, wow. kind of thing, which is good. Um, screws are still in there, but it's really good. Like don't really feel it at all, which is great. Kind of like a Terminator leg now that you've got some like bionic parts in there. Does it, yeah. when you sort of got that, I guess, full capability back of it, back of the leg, does it cross your mind at all? Like the first time you land a trick or, I mean, obviously you didn't break it sort of in a landing, but I mean, just certain things along those lines of when you first hit the snow after say the surgery and you're back to that level. I was definitely very aware of my leg, especially like, cause my boot sits right where it's broken. Cause it's called like a ski boot fracture kind of thing right where the ski boot is so I was a bit cautious of it but then like a couple after a couple of weeks getting a bit more comfortable couldn't notice it at all really 
And then I'm guessing now with all of that in, in mind, you, you, you've recovered now and you're obviously still going strong out there. Milan Cortina, I'm guessing that you've had that taste now, Abby. You, you realize yeah. what it's like. You've got the Olympic blood in you now. Is that kind of just pushing forwards towards now, towards Milan Cortina? Yeah, that's definitely one of the goals at the moment. Beating Eileen. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. just putting it out there. You can't let Josie do all the all the medals. Yeah, exactly. I got to do some of it. No, right? Like, I mean, in all fairness, Youth Olympic gold, pff, World Championship silver, pff, you know, come on, you get the gold. Yeah. That's right. That's what she's missing, isn't she? Mm, yeah. Right? You know, just I'm just I'm just putting it out there as well. But again, it's sort of it's. Is there an age? I mean, it's probably a difficult question to ask, given that it's such a newish sport at the Olympics, you know, and we've got people competing who were still there less than ten years ago for the the debut of these events. But is there almost like a peak age for a, a slope style skier or a big air skier? Like, is it sort of you know you, you've got many years to come before you even hit your peak? Yeah, I think it's it's, it's still kind of being figured out what what it is, but it's pretty young. I'd say it's probably between like. 20 to 24, 25. You're in that um, golden period. Yeah. You got, I yeah. mean, so you're yeah. peaking in Milan. I'm saying. Yeah. 2026. I, I'm putting this out there to any freestyle skier from Australia for 2026. We've said this with our moguls guest before, but like obviously 2006, Dale Begsmith, as we mentioned, in Italy, golden games. All right. Alyssa Camplin, bronze in freestyle skiing in Italy. Mm. It's a year. Ending with six, beginning with a two in Italy for Australia. I'm just saying right now, it's been a good omen for Australia at the Winter Olympics. Italy, number two, number six. You've got all that luck on your side right now, Abby. It's going to come yeah, together for you. It's going to be the ones. <laughs> exactly. All right. It's going to be sweeping it. Like Eileen, like what did she win? Two gold and a silver, wasn't it? Pfft, come on, you're going yeah. to win three gold. Three gold. Yeah. Easy. That's 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 what I'm saying right now. Outside of, of skiing, uh, sort of like, what are you what are you up to? Kind of what's life like for for Abby now, and has it changed since you've been become an Olympian? <laughs> Not entirely. I'm working a lot, uh, trying to save up for the next Europe trip. Uh, hitting the airbag a bit at the moment, which has been pretty fun. That's a pretty, that's a sort of new facility, isn't it? Sort of the, the airbag yeah. facility. I mean, what's that been like in terms of, uh, you know, has that has that helped yourself? Like you maybe don't have to travel as far now to kind of just have like a basic training facility like that? Yeah, it's so good. It's like one of the best facilities there is in the world. So it's amazing having it in my backyard pretty much. Um, but Definitely see it paying off in my skiing this last year. So it'll Great. be fun to see what happens. And in terms of you were talking a little bit off air, sort of about where you're at right now in terms of the, the upcoming, I guess, winter and here in the Southern Hemisphere, you were touching a little bit on New Zealand and sort of some things that are happening there. In terms of just Australia and where you're at, Jindabyne or any of the other sort of uh, places across Australia, while there may not be World Cups, are there sort of some type of events or sort of like training sort of things that you sort of, because as you said, you like to follow the cold, right? So, you know, I'm sure you're going to be sticking around as much snow in Australia in winter as you can. Yeah, definitely going to be skiing as much here as I can. There'll be a, uh, I think there's the Threadbo series in Threadbo, which is a bunch of competitions like rail jam, slope style, big air kind of thing. Fantastic. Good yeah. to hear. Good to hear. I, I, I still need to try one day and last longer than 30 seconds on skis and not completely wimp out. Uh, it is on my goal, uh, yeah. my, my bucket list one day, Abby. So I don't think the big air is on my to-do list. 
Maybe yeah, a smaller. Maybe a smaller. I mean, look, the goal is still, and this is going to take a lot of mental willingness and, and becoming less of a chicken, um, the only sport Australia has never sent a Winter Olympic athlete to is ski jumping. So I'm I'm just saying, you know. An eagle moment. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Just as long as I get to the top and somehow get to the bottom. Yeah. I, you only have to ski straight. Exactly. Right. You know, I don't know how I'll look in the tight spandex. You know, yeah. I'll have to, you know, do a bit more running and, and go to the gym a little bit more. But, hey, I'm always down for a challenge and I might be in my 50s by the time I reach it. But, hey, I could set a record for oldest Olympic ski jumper as well. So I reckon you've got it in the bag. Thank you. Thank you, Abby. I appreciate that. That that means a lot to me. So uh, thank you. We like to, to close out with a set of uh, get-to-know-you style questions now. As always, these are based on a questionnaire that Team Canada athletes got given to them ahead of the Pyeongchang Olympics and the Rio Olympics. And essentially, they ask them pretty random questions. And also, a lot of these questions will make me feel really old, given that some of these questions you're going to say certain things. And I'm like, wow, I really am old. And I want to start off by saying, what was the first Olympic Games you remember watching? Um, I think it was the ones Russ Henshaw first competed in. Was it Sochi? 2014. 2014? Yeah. yeah. Yep. I definitely feel old. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> during my first Olympics, I remember watching was about 10 years before you were born. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, you, this is the thing, like this is, this is your age. You have never been alive when Australia has hosted an Olympics. Yeah. Considering I will be soon. You though. will be soon. But, like, that just makes me feel old thinking that you weren't alive when Sydney happened. So, um, which, I mean, Sydney, you're obviously, you know, not too far away from here. But, like, do you, when you've, if you've been to events at Homebush or places like that and you sort of see where they were and you kind of see they've got obviously the cauldron there at Homebush and things like that, is, do you, do you look at those things maybe a little bit differently now that you can say you've been to an Olympics? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've been to Homebush a couple of times, not since the Olympics. So. You but have to put it definitely... on the list. You get free yeah. stuff now, Abby, I bet. You just be like, hey, see these like rings and stuff? Me. I, yeah. I got given them by the president of the IOC. That that seriously has got to get you some. You could go to like Lucerne in Switzerland and like just be like, hey, this is probably like a secret key that gets yeah. you into the IOC headquarters, mm. like into the bunker. You know, you could help decide the 2030 Olympics with that pin. Mm. You know, where, where, where would you have them? Like, I mean, this is usually a question on, on these lists. I'm jumping mm. ahead. But like, if you if you had the power with that pin to be like 2030, I want the Olympics in this place. I want the Winter Olympics to go to this city. Where would you where would you put them? Um, Switzerland. Switzerland. Yes. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been in Switzerland, so that that, yeah. that works. Okay. Is that just mm. favourite place to sort of compete, is it, or just favourite place to visit? It's just one of my favourite places to ski. Like, it's insane wherever you go. Great. I like it. I like it. Uh, as a kid, who is your favourite sports team? Sports team? Mm. Uh, probably the Matildas. The Matildas. Good question. You got tickets to any of the World Cup games this year? No, no? I was having a look at at them recently, but I don't think I'll be able to get up there. Damn, damn. There's a lot going on, obviously, at the moment with that very, very exciting time uh, for for women's football and football in general. Your favourite music artists are? 
Oh, I'm not actually a huge music person. Right. We'll just say Beyonce. Beyonce. She's always a good answer. So you not you don't sort of put on the headphones, you don't put on the beats by Dre before you get on the top of a slope or something like that? Um, I've started to a bit more recently, but it's kind of just put something on, don't really care what really it care. is. You're putting yeah. on off the podium, listen to a podcast. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, this is exactly. who they've got on this week. I love them. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you might have already answered this question. Your favourite place to compete is? Yeah, Switzerland. Switzerland. Perfect. All right. Um, one thing... That you have always wanted to do is mm, maybe like bungee jump. Bungee jump. Is that adrenaline? I can imagine you're on a yeah. freaking big air and half pipe and that sort of stuff. So you're doing crazy shit like that. That's great. Bungee mm. jump again. Show the pin. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, probably get you free yeah. free bungee jumping. What is your favorite movie? Favorite movie. Mm. Transformers. Transformers. Benchwarmers. Oh, Benchwarmers. Benchwarmers. Oh, well, that was, I don't know two very different movies, Ben. I heard a bit at the end there. Benchwarmers, good movie. Yeah. I like that. Mm. Uh, your f- favourite place, well, this one they asked, because obviously it's a Canadian-based quiz, so let's say your favourite place of visit in Canada is, but let's change it up. Your favourite place of visit in Australia is? Uh, it'd have to be on the hill, Threadbow. Beautiful. I like it. Do you have a favourite summer destination or you just you don't give um, a shit about summer at all? <laughs> Uh, went down to the coast recently, like down Marimbula, Pambula area. Yep. It's quite nice, close to home. Marimbula's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, been, been that way before. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, let's ask a Have you been to Canada to compete much or been there? Like, do you have a favorite place in Canada? We're, we're a sort of a co-Australian Canadian show, so we'll ask that yeah. question anyway. Uh, I went to Canada when I was about six. Right. Went to some peaks, so okay. probably some peaks. Okay, that, that counts. Never been to Winnipeg at all, Abby? Or? No. No, okay. Colin will be sad. That's right. You're not missing much. Don't <laughs> worry. Um, this is the shortest one of these trivia ones I've ever done. They've literally got like four questions on it. I've chosen a, I've, I've chosen Evan McCochran here and I just I, he's letting me down here, Evan. So I'm just going to uh. pull a random one out here. Let's go for uh, hockey play, ice hockey player Sarah Nurse because she's a legend and I'm sure she's got more in-depth questions. Um, <laughs> do you have a favourite Olympic moment? So like this could be simply... You competing, it could be watching your favourite athlete, you know, compete in a, in a different Olympics, you know, summer or winter. Do you have a favourite Olympic moment? Uh, probably Torah Bratt. Torah, yes, Queen Torah. There yeah. you go. Love that. Do you, have, you, have you met Torah? Yeah, a couple times, yeah. Good. All right, yes. Lovely. I always get a, like just an, a nice happy feeling when I hear the name Torah Bright. Just an yeah. absolute legend. Uh, yeah, if you could is. have any superpower, what would it be? Probably flying. Flying, yes. Yeah, oh, that was yeah places quicker. Big air, you'd do all right with that, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think you might, might be able to do a few more tricks in the air. Um, <laughs> yeah. Your most recent TV show that you binge watched? <laughs> Grey's Anatomy. Oh, like everything, like all 58 seasons of it? Yeah. <laughs> now, I've got to ask this question because I'll be honest, not a big Grey's fan, but mm. I applaud it for lasting this long. Like, Yeah. Is it, is it like if I was to watch season one and then skip to whatever they're up to now, season 20 or whatever it is, is there much of a difference or are they still just like, ah, oh, we're still doing medical things? Uh, still doing medical things. There's a lot of that in the show. There's still a couple of the same people, uh, but it's definitely looks a lot better, like it's high quality and stuff. The HD but... makes a difference. 
Yeah, there's still a couple of same things kind of going on. <laughs> My age again showing, Abby, I was a massive ER fan growing up. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, I, if you've never watched it, uh, obviously it's a little bit older, but yeah. uh, you can go watch George Clooney in his prime before he was Hollywood's George Clooney. Yeah. So um, I haven't watched it, but mum and dad have talked about it definitely. <laughs> great show. Fantastic show. Couldn't recommend it enough. Uh, your least favourite foods are? Oh, um, mushrooms. Yes, thank you. Yes, I'm <laughs> I'm an anti mushroom guy as well. Yeah, overrated, overrated. Slimy. <laughs> I know. My, my dad, everything would have mushrooms in it. It wouldn't matter what yeah. he cooked. I'm just going to add mushrooms in into it, and you will deal with it. I'm like, no, yeah, <laughs> I will not eat those mushrooms. What is your favorite chip flavor? Some vinegar. Oh, not even hesitated there. You just you're yeah. into it. You yeah. were waiting for that question. I like <laughs> it. Good answer. All right. If you weren't an athlete, what would you be? Oh, um, a ski bum. <laughs> just travel the world skiing? Yeah. Just, just do that? I like it. I like it. What's something that people usually describe you as? Um, pretty quiet. Pretty quiet? Yeah. Okay. I like it. I, I like here that Sarah's written sassy. 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 Uh, there is always an optional drawing element Abby, um, if you want to, and I will say only our winter athlete guests have ever done this before. None of us are winter athletes always winning at this. But uh, so if you want to, you can draw a picture of one of your teammates. Uh, you can draw a picture of yourself and draw a picture of your favorite animal. And Sarah's drawn a, I'm guessing that's a lion. <laughs> so again, if you want to, feel free. You can flick it to me afterwards. This is a, a question that has been added to the roster since mm-hmm. a very stupid question I asked one of our former guests. And... I, I, I question whether you're going to be able to answer this because of your age, but do you have a favourite Meatloaf song, Abby? And please tell me you at least know who Meatloaf is. I do know who Meatloaf Thank is. God. <laughs> don't think I have a favourite song. All right. Well, well, we'll get you to listen to some and then we'll get you back yeah, on with I'll your gold medal. I'll one next yeah. time. That could be your pump-up song on the hill yeah, in Milan. Yeah. Bit of bad out of hell. while I'm competing. Two out of three ain't bad. You know, Paradise by the... Just, you, you're listening to these. Abby... A lot of fun having you on the show. If people want to follow your journey, sort of stay up to date with what you're up to between now and 2026, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, give us a plug. Where can people check you out? Uh, just the Instagram at Abby Harry Graham. Yeah, well, that's clever. Abby mm. Harry Graham. I like that. No TikTok? Not, not on the... Uh... No, not on the TikTok yet. Yeah, I keep saying this every episode, like we're not either. And I guess I don't yeah. know if we just cave and be on, on the TikTok mm, one day. <laughs> it might happen one day. I really sound like one of those old the TikTok. Get on the TikTok, yeah. guys. Abby, such uh, a, a pleasure having you on the show to learn about your journey and, and your experiences. Best of luck moving forward with everything for Milan and, and beyond for the, the Switzerland 2030 Olympics, of course. And uh, yeah. we'll definitely get you back on to uh, chat about how things are going for you again in the future. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. And a massive thanks again there to Abby for her time, learning so much. I'm glad at least she knew who Meatloaf was. That was uh, at least a win there. But how about getting an Olympic pin from Thomas Bach, Olympic champion, fencing? Uh, Just incredible that that is who you would get a pin from. And the fact that he's like, no, I don't trade pins. I just give them away, (laughs) as you would. So uh, an absolute incredible chat there with Abby and uh, obviously overcoming the injury 10 days out from the Olympics, having a skier just come in and crash into you and break your leg. 
That is just uh, the worst of luck. But uh, she still obviously overcame that and did great things to hit the slopes in the slope style. And 26, technically not last. As I said, there was one competitor who obviously didn't start, so she technically was not last last. So uh, big thanks to Abby and best of luck for her moving forward and we'll be sure to get her on again when hopefully she has listened to those meatloaf songs. So uh, we'll see how that turns out. Now, great that Abby mentioned the Matildas and then I touched on the Women's World Cup because we are we are weeks away. We are weeks away from the Women's World Cup and we've got a lot of great coverage that we are doing. Of course, we last year did the Men's World Cup in Qatar and we've decided that we enjoyed that so much that we're going to provide coverage of the Women's World Cup. It's right here in our backyard, of course, with Jared and myself here in Australia and, of course, over in New Zealand. Already got tickets to some of the games, so I'll be heading to some of the games to witness it in person. And we thought, well, let's cover it. Let's cover it like we did with the Men's World Cup. And next week on the show, we will be doing our World Cup 2023 preview episode. So our FIFA Women's World Cup Australia-New Zealand 2023 our official preview episode of that will be happening next week. We'll be getting the gang back together, myself, Jared, and Colin, to go over the groups, give predictions, all the all the same things we did during the Men's World Cup last year. So we're looking forward to that. That'll be next week on Off the Podium. And then after that, we're going to continue on some skiing, just uh, getting you pumped and excited for that as well. We've got a unique interview coming your way in a few weeks' time. We've got an author on the show. We love getting authors on the show. And uh, sort of uh, very uh, relevant that we're doing this in the midst of a major women's sporting event. We've got an athlete, uh, a former athlete, and uh, also an author who uh, has written a book on female athletes and the Olympics and everything along those lines. So we'll have that in a couple of weeks for you as well. And in between those interviews and our coverage of the Women's World Cup, we've got an episode which we love doing on this show. We do it a year out from every Olympics that we've since we've existed. We obviously started during Rio, but a year before Pyeongchang, we did a year ahead to Pyeongchang. Looking ahead to Pyeongchang, we called it. A year out from Tokyo, we did looking ahead to the Tokyo Olympics. Then when it got postponed, we talked about the postponement. Then a year ahead to the Beijing Olympics, we talked about the Beijing Olympics. We looked ahead to the Beijing Olympics, funnily enough. So what we're going to do now, you guessed it, we're going to look ahead to Paris 2024. We're going to do a episode where we're going to talk a year out from the Paris Olympics a little bit more about them and update you on some news and just looking ahead to them and just doing a general sort of year out from the Paris Olympics. Where are we at? Everything along those lines. So a lot coming up along the way and later this year as well, the one that I'm also very, very excited about for us to be doing for the very first time, we will be doing a series of episodes on the Pan Am Games. Now, we obviously have covered World Cups, Commonwealth Games, events like that, and Given that we do the Commonwealth Games, we thought, well, let's do the Pan Am Games because we've obviously got a big Canadian contingent on this show. Uh, I'd like to say 50%, technically it's 33%, but let's be honest, 50%. Colin, he brings a lot to this show. And we want to cover the Pan Am Games. So I think we're going to hand the reins over to Colin. He can host those ones because at the time of recording this, Jared and I don't even know if we're going to be able to watch the damn things. So we might be just staring at stats and watching highlights on YouTube. So uh, we will see what we can do, but we will be providing some coverage of the Pan Am Games a little bit later this year than in Santiago in Chile. And uh, we're very much looking forward to being able to bring you some coverage of our very first Pan Am Games. And also, a bit more in the future. It's in January and February of next year. So obviously, uh, you know, quite a way away from that. But we've also all committed. We've come together. We've had a, had a discussion. But we're going to cover our very first Youth Olympics 
next year. That is right. We, we talked about it with Abby here uh, on the show about her first uh, Youth Olympics back in 2020. Well, the Youth Olympics, the Youth Winter Olympics are back next year and they are going to be in the great city of Gangwon in South Korea. Now, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but that is where they will be held and we will be covering those. So uh, get excited for our first ever Youth Olympics coverage as well. So we've got plenty of things that we're ticking off. 2024 is a massive year. Obviously, it's an Olympic year. We've got the Summer Olympics next year, but then, of course, we will be doing our first ever Youth Olympics. And in between all that and those great other athlete interviews that we'll have in the lead-up to Paris and everything else in the remainder of this year and all that sort of too, we'll be continuing our random rewatch series of the Olympic opening ceremonies, which I'm looking forward to continuing as well along the way. So stay tuned for those. We'll have more of those coming for you later in the year. And as we always like to point out in this part of the show, if there's any athletes out there from no matter what country, if you want us to get an Azerbaijani skeet shooter, if you want us to get a Burkina Faso discus thrower, if you want us to get an Armenian cross-country skier, your favorite one of those, flick us a message. We will do what we can to get them on the show. We always love getting those requests because we like to diversify our taste here and off the podium and bring you flavors of around the world and different sports and everything else in between. And to stay up to date with the show, of course, subscribe to the channel and all the good podcast platforms out there on YouTube. You can watch a video version of this interview with Abby on our YouTube channel, of course, as well. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, follow us on all of those. Stay up to date with everything off the podium. And we always appreciate reviews, feedback, questions, and everything else in between. Abby, thanks again for her time on the show. Thanks again for you for listening to this program today. I always forget all the closings. We've got so many closings that I meant to add now that I commit to doing it. Shout out to the Birmingham Bull. Go left, Jason Momoa. You took the words right out of my mouth. Shut up, Mountain. Uh, This has been Off the Podium. Thanks for tuning in and (laughs) razzle-dazzle. When you dance down the street with the cloud at your feet, you're in love. When you walk in a dream, but you know you're not dreaming, senor. But you see back in old Napoli, that's amore.